0: What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we give some details on the first ever Angler's Happy Hour listener appreciation event. We also discuss Nick's latest Mexico trip, Rob's recent hunt, my son launching a rod into the lake, and we have a deep discussion about how mapping chips have changed the sport of bass fishing. Hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode It's been about 10 days since we last talked and uh, the three of us have actually been really busy. So we've got a lot to catch up on. We've got um, what I think is also a pretty cool main topic to talk about. But um, before we even do our intros, I do want to talk about a couple of things that we've got coming up before I forget. Um, The first one is uh, Rob's wearing his awesome new Angler's Happy Hour hoodie so he's holding it up for us. No one else can see it. But um, Nick made a comment earlier. He looks really good in it. So uh make got sure an, that go ahead he got, Nick.
1: A, he got an eggplant emoji, which maybe you're gonna have to edit that out. But that just does it. How...
0: yeah, there it goes ten minutes of my life again.
1: He <laughs> <laughs> looks um, great in it. it. looks great in it.
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding, we can leave that. Uh but uh Make sure to, uh, if, if you guys are looking to support the podcast, you can jump on our website, anglershappyhour.com, and, and snag a hoodie. I think they, uh, they look pretty sharp. Rob's got that heather gray color. That's the uh, one that Nick and I rock a lot of times, too. So you can pick those up on our website now that it's finally starting to cool off here in the Southwest. And um, another thing, and the main thing I want to talk about is the first ever Anglers Happy Hour listener appreciation event. So we're nearing 100 episodes, and uh, as we sit here and shake our head, it's amazing that we've been doing it this long. But, um, man, we really appreciate everyone that has been listening for this long, and there's a lot of you that have almost heard every episode. So um, to say thanks, we are hosting an event. It is here in Arizona, so we definitely understand that a lot of folks live in in other states and understand it's pretty difficult to get out here. But, um, you know, if you live close by or if you're just looking – to take a road trip and get out of the cold. This will be held on a Saturday, January 8th at Roosevelt Lake at the Frazier group site. So it's a big group camping site kind of in the middle of the lake, right right next to the marina um, overlooking the lake. It's a nice spot. What we're gonna do is we are gonna go out there and fish on Saturday. So you're welcome to you know bring your own boats, come out and fish Saturday, do whatever if you want. And then at three o'clock, we're going to meet up at that group site and kind of set up. There's, uh, you know, a big ramada, a bunch of tables. And like I said, kind of a, it's a dry camping site. So um, plenty of parking for everybody's rigs, whether you've got a boat or not. Like I said, you can come bring your boat or you can just drive up at three and come hang out. And uh, we will have uh, food if you RSVP. You know, we have no idea if there's going to be 10 people or 100. So... We'd love for you to RSVP if you're going to come with however many folks you're going to be bringing. So that way we have food for you and, um, you're welcome to bring drinks. If you guys want to bring, uh, whatever you want to drink, um, we are going to uh, have a raffle, a free raffle. I posted I posted this and I said raffle. I didn't mention free. So <laughs> you don't have to buy raffle tickets. These are just items that we're getting donated from sponsors and stuff that uh, we'll be raffling off to you guys for free. And uh, go ahead, Rob.
2: We should have a prize for the furthest traveled.
0: I love oh. it. I love it. That's pretty good. Yeah. hopefully and it's so, not someone from like glendale hopefully from West somewhere. yeah <laughs> west side of
2: phoenix <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: but that's great dude we will for sure even if i gotta p- pick something out of my garage for that that's
1: well i mean call. we could rob at the bottom of rob's boat i've seen a couple of older dirtier looking robo worms so maybe we could put together like a five pack of gently used drop shot worms or something <laughs> that'd be good yeah that'd be good we need to get like a trophy actually i wish we we now we're spitballing live here and not going to back up any of this but we should get like some really ugly jacked up trophy and it could be like a traveling thing that's cool that's i
0: i love the thought there yeah i think that's something that we're gonna have to think about off the uh off the air on exactly what it is but that's a great idea man something because we want to do this
1: right this year you know it's we're gonna keep it close to home and uh you know, it's the inaugural. So we got to iron everything out. But going forward, the sky could be the limit for some pretty fun, awesome get together. So I agree. Yeah, I totally
0: agree. Yeah, you never you never know what this might turn into. Um, So we'll see. But the the whole goal here is just to have fun with it. And uh, just hang out. We're not going to do any type of tournament or any type of, uh, you know, competition. It's just just straight up, go out, have fun. You're welcome to fish on Saturday if you want. You don't have to. And then we are going to spend the night and just dry camp there. You, everyone is welcome to do that as well. If you want to, you know, bring some some chairs or whatever and, uh, you know, crash, bring a tent, crash in your truck, bring a camper, whatever you want to do. Uh, there are also some hotels nearby. You know, there are hotels on both sides of where we're staying, probably a 15-minute drive. If you don't, It's going to be cold. There's no doubt hopefully we can have fire. There are fire rings over there and I don't foresee any restrictions. So we'll try to have fire because it's going to get dark at five 30 (laughs) and it'll get cold there. So fire will save our butt. But, uh, what else am I missing guys?
2: I think that's about it. Um, just come and have fun. It's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Hopefully it's, uh, more than us three and a couple guys, but I think it'll be a <laughs> yeah. decent sized group. I know so. for
0: sure. I mean, so far, just from that post, it looks like we're looking at roughly 20 guys that have nice. RSVP'd. So that's cool. And I mean, Hey, as many as want to come, I mean, it's a, if, if a hundred, if we got parking for as many, and as long as you RSVP, we'll bring you guys, uh, we'll bring you guys dinner, whatever it, we don't know what exactly what it's going to be yet, but um, you know, to RSVP, you could either send us a message on Facebook or Instagram send it to the Angler's Happy Hour page or my page, Josh Bertrand Fishing. Uh, the other option is to email us, and that's info at anglershappyhour.com.
1: Right, Nick? That's right. We're accepting smoke signals, carrier pigeons, um, handwritten snail mail. You you just get it to us, and we'll we'll count it.
0: Yep, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I think that's about it. That's we got about six weeks to get ready, so um, really looking forward to that. Go ahead, Nick.
1: I'm and if we get – yeah, it's okay. And if we get um, at least fifty um, people that want to come, we're gonna switch from the chicken flavored ramen to shrimp flavored ramen to serve to you guys. So we will <laughs> we'll escalate it in luxurious quality. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll spring for the seafood variety of ramen. <laughs> Hilarious.
0: We have no idea what it'll be. We got a couple ideas that that uh, might be cool, but yeah. um, you know, we gotta figure it out. But we'll have we'll have something. So uh
1: and I will say something right. that's not a joke. These things are so fun, man. And in, in my other semi-serious life of real estate i've gone to a handful of kind of like get-togethers and they call them masterminds where you just get with other people who are doing the thing and it's just a chance in like a more of a casual laid-back environment to talk shop and get to know people and it's so much fun i haven't got to do one of those for a couple years just because of my craziness of life but i've gone to a bunch of those and it's it's so much fun and this is kind of like the fishing equivalent of that we're all you know, a brotherhood that, you know, we've all attracted each other in our lives for various reasons and it'll be fun.
0: I love how you related it to a mastermind meeting. That's awesome. It kind of is. I mean, it's, it's a get together, right? Of people that have a uh, similar interests. but, uh, the fact that, uh, you related it to a mastermind is awesome. We're going to call it the mastermind. <laughs> the
2: <we> go. have <laughs> <our>
1: mastermind.
2: <laughs> I'm going to relate it more to a three o'clock happy hour.
1: Yeah, there that's what it is. You know, oh, that's yeah. really, yeah, yeah,
2: that's
1: what it is. Right we should call it that oh wait perfect rob you nailed it that's good so yep
0: come join our happy hour everyone everyone is welcome um and then moving forward we've had a lot going on uh, before we get to our main topic we need to we're gonna nick was down in mexico rob's been hunting rob you start this one out because i have a feeling nick's gonna be long-winded on mexico dude what happened <laughs> uh,
1: what happened
2: on we got nap there. time after me is what you're saying
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: No, it's uh, called when the podcast becomes interesting, Rob.
2: Okay, all right. See how you are. So yeah, I just went on an awesome elk hunt. Uh, My my buddy Alex, his wife Jen, had the tag. Um, Alex originally had the tag, but he ended up turning it in just because of the the country we're hunting is super rough, and for us to pack out two elk in that time frame would have been pretty tough. But she ended up shooting a really nice bull, nice six by six on. Sunday morning.
0: That's awesome, dude. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was six cool. By six. And, that's, that's great. Yeah. And she made a heck of a shot. Um, one shot kill. That elk did not step. Cool. Wow. It died in his tracks right there, which is, I mean, that's that's the best case scenario, right? Totally. Um, so anyhow, they we were watching from a, from a couple miles away with our optics. Uh, we didn't actually see her shoot it because we knew she was going to shoot. We just didn't know watch elk and where we saw like 15 elk 15 bulls from where we were um, anyhow we heard the shot and then they radioed us and told us that she shot it so we worked our way over there and uh, we all hiked in and packed the you know took care of the elk and packed it out there were seven of us and we got the entire elk out in one trip which was just incredible um, wow yeah had a couple people that claimed they were going to die <laughs> <laughs> and, and the funniest part is, so, so I'm 50 and I'm the oldest by quite a bit other than less is 48 and I wasn't feeling too good. I had a pretty, like a migraine or something. So I, I regret taking all I took was a front quarter, which I mean, it's still pretty heavy, but I mean, I probably could have taken quite a bit more. Um, uh, one of the younger guys took a rear quarter, which is super heavy.
0: Who's this? Uh, his name's Matt. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, Alex said he was like, he was really feeling it at the end. Yeah. He was,
2: (laughs) yeah. He's in his mid thirties. I think he's hunted mostly like in the Midwest, super good dude. And, uh, Les kind of rallied the troops, man. He like, he's like, Matt, give me your pack. And, and I'll give you mine. And Les's pack wasn't much lighter, but I think it was just kind of the mentality of switching packs and Les took the hind quarter and, uh, between him and Jesse, uh, Jesse parks, they, they just went crazy and and so tj and i left early hiking out of there so we're sitting there waiting and then all of a sudden we start hearing yelling and Mm -hmm. it's jesse with this what 80 90 pound hind quarter on his back (laughs) comes busting out of the trees and yelling and screaming it was hilarious he was was pumped up to be there yeah nice it was awesome (laughs) very cool so um but props to les man he just he like i said he rallied the troops and got everyone out of there and uh made it in one trip and just it was just one of those like i don't know we enjoy hunting because of the people we hunt with and this was definitely an example of that it was a lot of fun so how cool man yeah Yeah. Yeah. to have a group like that
1: what time of day did she um kill it was i saw a picture of her looking through a scope
2: and it looked like the sun was pretty high was it not like a first light thing it was pretty close to first light. I mean, those elk bed okay. down about eight o'clock usually. So that's what I, uh-huh. I'm i assuming she shot it between, I'm just going to guess around seven. 7 Early right? morning. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And we didn't get out of there till I think we, well, we got back to camp about dark. So that tells wow. you. That's okay. crazy. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. How they many kept vertical feet? They kept explaining to me where the bull was and, um, they're like, we just have to go up this one steep hill. I'm like, okay. So we climbed this entire hill and we're on top <laughs> of this hill. And then they're like, Oh, it's over there. Uh-huh. They didn't say you had to go back down and around and about. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was just a typical late, uh, late season bull elk pack out, but it uh, it was fun. So. awesome. How, ma- he- how many vertical feet? Sorry, Josh. I'm just going to guess and say it was, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but I, I'm going to say 500 feet, <laughs> 500 vertical feet. I, mean, I guess, but one way, and then you had to come back that direction too. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's awesome! Huge congrats to Jan on uh, on the on the bull, and uh, all you guys too, man. Just uh, sounds like an awesome awesome trip.
2: Yeah, it was very very cool. So I'm I'm preparing for my deer hunt that starts on the 10th. Um, I'm going to pack some water in, we're doing a little backpack trip and I've got it. you know, we're in the desert, so we don't have streams running through everything where you can filter water. So you have to pack water in prior to the hunt, which I don't know, I guess I just mentally take it as a training hike versus having to pack water in there. So that's cool. So yep. how often do you actually like do that where you are just picking up water and filtering it, man? I mean, anywhere else in the West, you can do that. I mean, that's a big how cool. deal we just can't do it here. Cause we don't have that kind of water source. We don't have, you know, moving streams. We don't, we don't even have, I mean, there's just no water in the desert. Obviously there is enough for the animals, but not, not something that you'd want to filter water out of. So. Hey, so this is
0: off topic, but um, that just reminds me, we've got a guy, a camera guy in MLF. He is one of the coolest dudes on the planet. Great guy. He, but to me, this is one of the riskiest things I've ever seen. He does not bring water on the boat. He brings a filter straw no. and drinks lake water. <laughs> no. <laughs> he brings a filter straw on the boat. And he that's just it, gets dude. down
1: on his stomach over the side rail and just like takes a pull? Just
0: drinks water with, out <laughs> of the lake with the straw. And he's never had a problem. That's wow. disgusting. Is that the craziest thing you've ever heard? It's actually like, pretty what? exciting.
2: It's not like it's hard to bring a jug of water uh-uh. on the lake.
0: It's so crazy, dude.
2: Wow. What else does he do in life? That's what I want to know. Like, the guy seems pretty hardcore. It's no hilarious. Huh.
0: Dude, yeah, you know, I don't think he's like got a huge outdoors background either. It's pretty
1: interesting. <laughs> dude, he needs to be like an endorser. So random. Dude, yeah, I'm like a spokesperson for the straw manufacturer. And Seriously. Be like, I'm drinking out of municipal like two-stroke oil-filled reservoirs across the country and still going strong yeah yeah
2: his pro takes a leak on one side of the boat and he <laughs> takes a drink out of the other
1: <laughs> it's like lemonade today i don't know
2: what's going on wow
1: crazy i, I thought
0: i'd throw that in there
1: but, yeah, uh, dude, yeah
0: we're stoked to hear about the next hunt it's cool how there's so much variety
1: in your different hunts man
2: yeah, yeah. how do we- you
1: store water do you bury it do you just bring it in like a what kind of container and how does that work
2: in the past, we've taken – uh my buddy's got an old pack that we take in there and just kind of hang it up in the trees. Uh, uh We'll bring dehydrated meals in, too, since we're going in, and they're fairly light. Instead of having to pack that bulk in later, we just uh – we'll bring that in, but we put it in um, metal mesh bags so rodents won't tear it up and get into uh, it. So wow. we've been fortunate so far. It's worked out. I just – you know – you got to hide it good and hopefully nobody finds it. There's so few people in those areas, but still, I always worry about that. Yeah. So people
1: find it is. are there black bears where you're going? I don't know where this hunt's going to be. Yeah, there's bears. Know.
2: There's bears everywhere in Arizona. I mean, it, yeah. it's kind of, I think it surprises people how many bears are in the desert and, but there's, well, n- they can be in the desert, but I mean, a lot of them are close to mountain ranges and stuff, but. So any pens- mountain lions? Definitely mountain lions. Did, yeah, oh, def- did you see any? no we oh, didn't this see that. one
1: okay no, right on
2: no
1: usually I do you see mountain lions or is it right before they jump on the back of your neck and start chewing
2: i think that's yeah that's mainly when you, <laughs> yeah i mean as much time as we've spent out looking for deer and elk and stuff i mean i think i've seen seen them three times which is pretty rare i mean to it's just you just they're there you just don't see the darn yeah. things you put trail cameras out and you see them all the time. I mean, they're, they are present for sure. They're there, but. Did you see on cool. Cliff's Instagram, uh, per- Cliff
0: Perch's Instagram, he had a, uh, he's, he's looking through his scope, you know, videoing through his scope and he's got a, a mountain lion that had a uh, elk kill and oh, he was really on the elk carcass. And he said, I, that. That's cool. I think right before, um, he started filming that, that mountain lion, like, let out this crazy shrill scream <laughs> that
1: like sent chills down his spine you know what i yeah. mean pretty uh, pretty cool yeah mountain lions are pretty badass i know i've told this story before but that night fishing by myself one time i heard a bunch of rocks i was flipping a bank and I heard a bunch of rocks start tumbling down and like a shrill kind of howl and I just put my rod down and I just went the other way it's like okay don't need to fish this bank He was probably that's gonna funny, get ready man. to like cowabunga off the cliff like onto me on the front deck of my boat I'm like I'm good
0: definitely <laughs> give the bank an extra 20 feet of space anyways yeah, yeah not be right up on it that's
2: fine. <laughs> yeah when when Boyd was young we were javelina hunting and um we ran into the rancher in that area and he said they had killed like 14 lions in a small area just recently. And (laughs) we were sitting there and we hear like a, a cat make that (laughs) like a growl noise. And then you heard a deer make like a death noise. Oh, And I mean, so we didn't see it, but we definitely heard an attack and it was a little mix of air on the back of your neck, stand up a little bit. I wonder
1: what Joe Exotics' re- reaction would have been to that.
2: Probably go over there and wrestle put a lasso it so around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have
1: you guys watched any of the second iteration of Tiger King? I've, no, I tried he, not
2: to. I've seen a he little involved? bit of it, but
1: well, yeah, because you know now they're he's in jail, is, right? Exactly. I watched like the first seven minutes and then realized that. Yeah, I just there's I need to invest my time more wisely than that.
0: It hasn't made but, waves like the first one did. Like no one's talking about it.
1: Yeah, because it just, maybe it's over, right? Like that story has been told and the joke has been laughed at and now it's time to move on, but it they, had its moment.
2: Josh, tell me Letter Kenny gets better. How many episodes have you watched? Like one, one and a half.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to give it like four or five. Hey, okay. props to you for giving a shot. Uh, okay. I appreciate it as a friend, but you got to do it. It's a dumb show, but the characters, like once you get to know the characters a little bit and uh, there are... There are a couple of dumb episodes in the first season, but like, I don't know. It's if you stick with it, I think you like it.
2: Okay. I will do that then. Cause it, I mean, the humor is it's pretty dang funny, but it's just off the wall. It's, it's, it's the very
0: wall. over the top, man. It yeah. really is. But um, I don't right, know. I'll man. give it I, another I shot. I've watched 10 seasons and 11 and 12 are coming out and I can't wait, dude. Really? Can't wait. Yeah. They're coming okay. out December 26. So I can't wait. We'll see. I mean, I've got a, uh, uh I don't know, pretty immature sense of humor, I guess, but we'll see. Uh, but okay. So moving on, Nick, uh, how was Mexico?
1: Ah, man, it was great. I, uh, I, I think now having done this for the second time, it, uh, it was a little bit easier to recognize like the traveling aspect of it was smooth and easy. Um, you know, the first time it's always a little intimidating just cause you don't know what to expect. And then the second time and so on and so forth gets easier. And that was, definitely the case so going down was real easy um i made friends with this lady on the bus and i talked to her for a long time so when i finally fell asleep i went out cold and dude i woke up in a panic because it was daylight and i was like if i miss my spot, stop then like you know it's just on and on and on a couple hours in the wrong direction so i woke up and i quickly looked at my phone and i was like five minutes from the bus station that i was supposed Woo! to get off at that was like, that was like a metaphor for how the whole trip went. Whenever there was a moment where like things kind of needed to go my way versus not, it went my way. And so Ooh. I, I managed to not sleep through my stop and that would have been more adventure than I can. It would have just been a pain in the butt. I would have had to figure that out. So I didn't have to. So I, uh, I left on Thanksgiving evening and, uh, I woke up Friday morning at like 6 AM and, rafine was there waiting for me and uh i had some tacos for breakfast that were like the food there is just oh man it's almost better than the fishing and the fishing's so fun too but yeah i had a great meal and the forecast had changed like two days leading into it it was supposed to just be like here like 90 degrees and sunny all the days and nothing and and then a front rolled through and so actually on friday I fished in the rain for like three and a half hours no and it, it came down. It was a good thing. I had checked the forecast and brought rain gear. Cause I almost didn't. And uh dude, it was a soaker. It was actually enjoyable. I haven't been in a soaking rain. And for so long I wasn't, you know, wasn't cold and I wasn't getting that wet. And it definitely didn't seem to affect the fishing that much. We, uh, you know, I, I would attest fishing there is like batting practice. It's like someone throwing you like a 75 mile an hour pitch down the plate and you just get to practice. Like you just, you just catch fish, man. And they're not obviously all giant Instagram fish. You catch plenty of like three quarter pounders to two pounders, but they're strong, they fight hard and, and they just, it just feels good to get bit. You know, I think sometimes you fish a lot and not recently, Roosevelt's been so good. You get bit a lot but you can go long stretches here in Arizona where you're just not getting bit as much. And so Friday was nice for that. I caught a bunch of fish on a Texas rig. Um, I don't think I caught any fish on a jig and I really wanted to catch a fish on a swim bait. So like a dumbass, you know, I did the black rod tube again and brought my, uh, one of my swim bait rods and a, a couple of different variations of that. Couldn't get bit on anything, but I brought a top water one and the rain finally subsided and then it went flat calm and the sun came out but it was about 4 in the afternoon so it was low and I was like let's go you know to some cliffs and see what we can do and so like my third cast with my topwater swim bait i just got a huge blow up just boom but he didn't hook up he missed it and so i kept twitching and he never came back like two casts later rafeen caught a 7 on a floating <laughs> bluegill swim bait and it was, it was so glorious. Had he there. done that much down there before or
0: he just busted one out cause you wanted to do it too. Yeah.
1: Right. And it, you know, it was just kind of like, well, why not? We're trying. So yeah, he hadn't really fished those hardly at all, but he Did had a really, this, was it your bait or his? He had one, a, Okay, a, a buddy, I don't know. Do you guys know Tim Demicks? Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he's a Mexico crony who travels down there and he had given it to him and it was a great looking hard, uh, plastic one jointed bluegill and it had just a great action. And it made sense that I got eaten. He actually caught two fish on it. The other one was like a smaller two and a half pounder, but it was like the classic like toilet flush and his rod loaded up. And it was cool. It was just fun to like go to batting practice and then want to like, I don't know, try something different. Like you're going to bat left-handed instead of right-handed and then having it work was, was so tight. So that that was the first day and it was fun, man. We caught him good. And then, had an awesome dinner and uh the rest of the trip went like that man the next day was bluebird skies north wind um and it was a tougher bite but uh we we still caught them pretty good and uh we caught a couple couple fish over five and then just numbers below that and then the final day when i had to leave was when i finally was able to catch a good one and i caught a couple that were over five and you know i only got to fish six hours that day and i caught 35 myself wow, so you and, fished
0: three days i thought you have had fish too that's I, great
1: i snuck in two and three quarters days wow. of fishing and, awesome uh, it was glorious man it was it was just so good and it's fun to uh i don't know texas rig fishing is kind of like old school i don't throw that very often here you know just like working deeper structure and it's just fun to drag bottom and get get hit and set the hook and i don't know it sounds corny but it just is like so awesome and you know that lake is cool because it's uh There's other fishermen, but you don't see very many fishermen there and there's commercial fishermen. So occasionally you interact with, with them, but by and large, you're on this giant reservoir and it's almost your own damn private Lake. There's no airplanes flying overhead. It's just like back in the day, you know, it just feels like a whole different time. And there's tons of predatory birds. I saw osprey. I probably saw five osprey successfully catch fish. And the last day we were running in dude, we were going, his GPS was saying like 39. There was a pelican flying stride for stride next to us and almost keep like passing us. Wow. Dude, that's a giant bird flying 40 miles an hour. It's pretty bad. Are there
0: a bunch of pelicans there or not really?
1: Yeah. Trillions. I (laughs) remember that.
0: Well, I mean, Falcon and a lot of people will actually blame them on the, uh, somewhat downfall of falcon because they eat so many pounds of fish man but it's interesting Dude. there's they don't really seem to impact that lake
1: and this lake is so fertile like as soon it seems like it likes to get flat calm and as soon as it does like in a 360 degree panoramic view you can pick out like 15 or 20 schools of tilapia on the surface wow just twittering around and then you know they're they're scared of their own shadow so they bust and they just and then they show back up and then they but so i mean there is like the population of mainland china is what lives in that lake for shad and tilapia i mean it is just like mind-blowing yeah how big
2: how big are the tilapia bite size are they big
1: bite size on up dude yeah Yeah. like like from like attractive three pound bass forage size to like you could feed your family on one (laughs) wow yeah and tons of shad and it was cool, man. We caught a little stinky catfish. It seems like everything there is just, you know, doing a thing. And I'm feeling all proud of my 30 plus fish days. And then Josh is like, yeah, we caught, you know, 55 on a guide trip at Roosevelt and like, well, you didn't have to take a bus to get there. Like it's too easy, man. Oh <laughs> yeah. No, I, they, they're both you different. I'm Go ahead, kidding, Rob.
2: Yeah. The quality in Mexico has got to be greater, right? Oh, guaranteed, dude.
1: Has yeah. to, like What's
2: a, what's the average fish you're catching down there? Is it? two and a so three it, yeah exactly
1: you know this is the time of year i think when you go to in february in march you know the spawns closer and those fish are just that much heavier but yeah you catch you catch a bunch in that two to three pound range and then but what's fun is is every time you set the hook is that it could be a four plus yeah. right like that lake doesn't have many over seven it doesn't seem like so it's not like you're going to set the hook like it um back a rack and have it be a 10 plus but dude, they fight hard like even like a three and a half kicks your ass if you catch it on the end of a long cast it jumps a couple times and it's yeah it's just if you love fishing that's where it's at
2: it's like the bartlett of mexico <laughs> just in Dude. bigger terms right yeah, it's like, better yeah like like bartley you go and catch a bunch of one pounders you go to Ob- oregon and you catch a bunch of three pounders <laughs> yeah. or you go to baccarat and catch a bunch of nines
1: <laughs> yeah and i didn't catch a bunch of nines when i went in june man i barely caught anything it was but it was i'm tough, saying five, i know five what you're yeah know what you're yeah, no, you're right. It's just, and you know, it's just like I, I never feel uncomfortable. I never feel unsafe coming back. I uh, I was worried coming back. I had heard some horror stories about uh, waiting times at the border, and so that was one reason why I gently pushed for an extra day from the family to uh, try and come on Sunday, being a holiday weekend. I just figured Sunday night might be better than Saturday night. And, uh, you know, you go through a checkpoint in Hermosillo and then you go through the border in Nogales and it was like clockwork, man. Even with my ghetto, shady, sh- shady, uh, fishing setup, like it just was a piece of cake in my no Spanish with the tube. No, nah, no, not at all. And you know, my Spanish is pretty bad. And so I, uh, was on the bus and the bus driver apparently said it was time to get off because they come and like bring a drug dog on and search for stuff. And I totally didn't get off cause I didn't think I had to. And the, the customs <laughs> guy came on with his dog and it was like scary for a moment. And even he was friendly. It's like, no, nice. just like, whatever he said was the equivalent of you need to get off the bus now. And I did. And then I got back on and I don't know, like it just, yeah, it just is what it is. So another great trip there, man. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drug you guys and then take you down there with me so we can all have, that's where next year's anglers happy hour reunion will be. I knew and, you were uh, going to say that. So we'll get a whole two of bus for our, our friends and <laughs> listeners, and we'll just we'll party. <laughs> I'll zoom in. There you go.
0: There nope, you go. I'm gonna Wi-Fi. roof.
1: I'm gonna roofie you, Rob, and then we're gonna carry okay. you in. All right. That's so funny. That's cool. Well, dude, hey, I'm glad it was smooth. Like
0: that's phenomenal. That's that's great, and you know, just sounds like it was a, a great few days.
1: It was, man. It just. I love it, dude. I uh I would I'm gonna buy myself a lot in the Onsuelo Fishing Club and I'm gonna haul a, a little junky fifth wheel trailer down there and that's where I'm gonna spend the rest of my days, I think. I'm gonna go by Nicolas. Do you uh <laughs> do you just eat tacos for every meal? I mean, it's I, hard to be a taco, but you dude, just always talk about the tacos. Is it all tacos? No, man, they have seafood like crazy because you're close to the ocean. So this time around, we went to a restaurant and had like mariscos, it's Spanish for seafood. Oh my god, shrimp. And then I really like it sounds weird I like octopus and they have really good octopus there shrimp fish I mean it's just like and then they have flour tortillas corn tortillas and all the beef products bomb like it's just you do not go hungry there only That's by great. choice What do you drink A lot of beer
2: <laughs> So don't you have like a hangover of life. story
1: uh, well, yeah, of course I I partied. Oh, What's the Mexican coors light? We have Pacifico. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Mexican coors light. It's Go down there and all drink coors light. I'm just kidding. Dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course I I got a little aggressive the first night and uh, <laughs> I woke up and I I didn't feel very good and I had to uh, you know pray to the gods of hangovers and rehydrated adequately ibuprofen and before long I was eating tacos for breakfast and catching. Three to six pound fish and always well. See, and well. That makes the you feel
2: ben- The benefit of that is you're like everyone else that didn't drink the night before, they feel worse as the day goes on. You started feeling <laughs> yeah. better,
0: huh? Dude. <laughs> That's you, a good way to look at it, Rob.
1: Yeah. Start feeling Mark. bad so that you can finish strong versus <laughs> yeah. the opposite. It's all strategy. You know, you would appreciate that, you know.
0: A fun strategy. That's hilarious. Well, that's good, man. Right on.
1: But uh, if anyone's crazy enough, you know, last year in December, our good friend Mark flew down from Alaska and then we drove to Falcon to catch nothing for three days and just had the time of our life. So he called me instantly after this and he's like, dude, I want to go to Mexico. I was like, oh, let's go, man. He's like, your you dude. Tell me when. He's my dude. Did anyone else hit us up, man? We'll, we'll make it happen. It's tight. You won't regret it. You won't end up on the news and you'll catch fish and life will be great.
0: That's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, if you guys are interested, feel free to, to drop us a line and Nick will connect you with, uh, you know, the guy that he's going down there doing it with. It sounds like it's the way to do it for sure.
1: Yeah, it's smooth and easy, man. It's good time. So, so
0: cool. what's up
1: your way, Josh? What you got going on?
0: Um, you know, I had a couple trips up to Roosevelt, a couple guide trips. I went, uh, what, was, what was really fun was I think the day after Thanksgiving, when you were down there, I went to, I went up there with my dad and my son Parker. So it's the first time the three boys went fishing together. Oh. And uh, you know, with him, you know, he's getting to these three, so he just turned three, so he's getting to the age where he can I can take him along a little more now. And uh he caught his first fish that he reeled in all by himself.
2: Oh, you know, dropped oh. it down and
0: reeled it in all by himself oh. on artificial too. Um Oh yeah, it so look at
2: that proud smile. It's hilarious, that, dude. That's yeah. awesome. Good job, it, dude. It, well, that's I can cool. tell. I
0: mean, you guys are stoked too, because you guys Heck have been yes. there too. Um but you know, we, ha- we go to a couple spots that not, not firing up the spoon fish and we get on a spot like an hour in and uh, they do get fired up and, uh, I'm reeling one up and, uh, he's got, I didn't want a bunch of treble hooks on his line. So what I did yeah. is I just took a, a jig head with a gulp minnow and I, thought oh. man you know, we don't really do that out here that much, but I'm like, man, we get a school fired up. Surely they'll eat a gulp minnow. And yeah, if, I mean, first drop, dude, <laughs> it's still falling and a fish eats it. And, uh, Dude, he reels it all the way in by himself really well. Um, I help him kind of swing it in, and uh, he was fired up. We're all fired up, dude. So I uh, put another bait on, and uh, I turn around for one second because, like, we're, like, tripled up, right? So then I'm dealing with my fish, and uh, all I hear is a splash. And I look, Uh. and his rod is... (laughs) One foot deep, two feet deep, three feet deep. He had chucked his <laughs> rod in the lake. I don't know. It's not because he was—he was happy, dude. He was having fun, but I don't know why the hell he threw his freaking rod in the lake.
1: I thought you say he so, fell in, so at uh, least it was th- the th- rod. Yeah,
0: thankfully it wasn't him. But I'm like, what happened? And he's like, I don't know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> dude. And he's like, get it, dad. And I'm like, I can't. He's like, go in the water. I'm like, yeah. I-, I can't. It's thirty feet deep right here. And when he realized he wasn't getting it back. It was, he, you know, he lost it, dude. He was really sad and it was sad. So he <laughs> wanted only his rod, right? And he wouldn't, it's hard for him to use a seven foot rod, right? Yeah. At that size and age. <laughs> so he wouldn't even try. So like he Aww. had, he was one and done, dude. But he had fun. Aww. We just had to find other ways to entertain and we stayed out for a couple hours, but <laughs> it sucked because, uh.
1: What Was he using? Was he using like a kid's pole? Like he yeah, like had a tied up on like a rod,
0: little Shakespeare kid's rod, you know. And uh <laughs> I it's dude, it's a lesson for me to bring more than one, right? Like you'd think I would know that, but we had his rod, not his sister's, you know. But I yeah. think it's a lesson for me to keep an extra rod when I take take them, you know, because that's I mean, that's easy to happen. But he learned a lesson and uh he had fun and he loved to go again. I had a blast, my dad had a blast, but it was funny, dude. Like just chucked it in the lake
1: what about those like foam pool pool noodles i've seen people like uh great zip tie idea. one of those maybe it'd buy you like at least eight seconds to scramble over a there great
0: idea too and we tried to catch it right we were on yeah, yeah. anchor lock already so we and it, but it was like no it just no way it yeah. so um that's a great idea uh, extra rod and then a, a some type of floating device to keep it <laughs> yeah.
1: in the Dude, boat did that how, sorry, Rob, how sick would it be? You know, it seems like every time you go, someone hooks a 10 plus catfish. It would have been so sick if it would have been his turn to hook oh, on to something. Giant. Can you it would have been so cool yeah. next time.
2: Yeah.
0: I and mean, it'll happen. We'll go again. Go ahead, Rob.
2: Did you happen to have the GoPro running?
0: No, but I do have a video. Um, and I haven't posted it yet. I will. I'll post it and I'll send it to you guys, but I've got a video on my, on my phone of him reeling it in. So, nice. Uh, mm-hmm. it was, and dude, so the fish gets in the boat, right? And, uh, he goes right for it, like to tackle it. Like, yeah, you know, and, like, <laughs> and I kind of screwed up. I said, no, 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 buddy. Cause I didn't want him to get the hook. or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but it kind of scared him. So like, he kind of, kind of got standoffish and like went away from the fish, but you know, I unhooked it yeah. and you know, eventually uh, you know, he was, he held it at the end, but um, yeah, I, I, like you'll see in the video. when I say, no, 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 it kind of, it scared him off a little yeah. bit, and, you know, but anyways, it was, uh, it was awesome that was a great day and then um had a couple more guide trips just good numbers days you know 50-ish fish um big schools out deep not easy to find like they're getting a lot stingier like when they first got out there it was like they'd swim 20 feet for a bait now it's like you got to fire them up and you know they're not biting all the time you might have to visit a spot two or three times for them to bite but um you know, and by the end of the day, if you stick with it, you get a couple of those, you know, glorious windows where they're biting really good for 30 minutes and you, and you end up catching 50. Um, and then the the highlight of the last trip I had was uh, we caught a uh, absolutely gigantic catfish. I don't know how to put, <laughs> I don't know how to put like a, a number on it, but I posted a picture of it. Huge, huge. I fished with a great, a couple of great guys named uh, Jake and Skyler and Skyler caught this fish, played it perfectly. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if it was 40 pounds. I, I have wow. no idea yeah. how big it was, but it, yeah. it wouldn't shock. I, and I hate to throw a number at all, but it was hard for him to hold with one hand. Like he <laughs> was holding it with one hand. His hand was shaking. And um, yeah, he caught on eight pound test. So, I mean, to, to land a fish like that on eight pound test is sick. The fight was uh. so long. And then on scope. I've got a video of it on live scope. And as the fish is fighting the fish is so big. You can see like you know, <laughs> how you see the tarpon videos and, and shark videos of live scope in the ocean where you could see the whole body and the tail. You could see the whole body, dude, as it was swimming, you were watching the whole, the tail go like this. And uh, uh,
1: you know, we watched
0: the fight on live scope. So it was kind of cool. Cause he'd be like, how, okay, how far down is he? I'm like, he's still on the bottom, bro. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he was, what was interesting was he was on the bottom. The fight was probably 15 minutes. And he was on the bottom for fourteen minutes.
2: You know, yeah. you'd
0: get you'd get him up like five feet and think you're going somewhere, and then he would just go right back to the bottom. And then he finally just kind of gave up. And it was like one one minute to get him from the bottom to the surface once he gave up. But
1: it, this little catfish bonanza that has descended down upon us makes me want to research and learn more about it. It's crazy to think that a thirty or forty pound fish. What do you hook it on? Like a, a spoon, right? Yeah, spoon. Yep. So it's like a 30 or 40 pound fish is down there eating shad. So it must just be like a opportunistic. They're injured, just fall to the bottom underneath the chaos of all the other fish feeding on top of them. But it's just, you would think that fish would sit in a hole and eat like one pound, you know, gizzard shads well, or white crappie. as they And it may by. be
0: there eating the yellow bass and bass, oh. right? Like because the bass are there for the shad. So it, it, I'm sure it's not going to probably turn down a shad, but he might be there just for the next level. Like the, the yeah. yellow bass and bass and largemouth are there for that the gets, shad so maybe he's there for the next level of fish to eat them
1: it's just intriguing because we never interact with those fish the rest of the year you know what i mean like occasionally maybe like what on a totally. deep crank yeah very maybe rare flipping. sometimes we catch one on a worm or something but yeah yep yeah so it's just cool like i wonder how long that thing lives like does it grow slow and old you know I yeah, wonder. how old is a 40 pound flathead it has to be old dude rob's age probably <laughs> that's old that's really old. did it have a white beard <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. it's whiskers were white
0: <laughs> so funny but anyways uh we've gone on forever talking about that stuff but uh, you know our main thing uh, i wanted to talk about today for a, a fishing topic our buddy terry over at bass fishing archives he's got one of the most interesting to me anyways bass fishing websites and social media pages out there what he, and we've had him on the show before, and we're going to have him on again, really soon later this month to talk about some other stuff. Um, but he talks about just like the history of bass fishing, tournament fishing, uh, just bass fishing in general talks about old, old techniques. Um, you know, how stuff was developed. And, uh, one thing he, he brought up just last night, I was sitting there looking and he, he, he talked about just, how different fishing is now with electronic mapping, map chips, all the technology, but like paper maps were such a big thing when I was breaking into fishing as a teenager. And, you know, even forever. I mean, I remember the first year I qualified to start fishing the tour full time. I bought a paper map for every Lake we were going to. And now it's not even really a thing for me. So I figured we'd kind of break down, like t- reminisce a little bit about the old days of paper maps, and then just talk about how it's evolved into what it is now, and then how we use our mapping to catch more fish now. So, uh, yeah, I, so, I know. Go ahead, Rob.
2: Speaking of so, the first year you were on tour was nine years. Twenty thirteen.
0: Thirteen. So yeah. So thirteen. Yep, that's exactly so exactly what it was.
2: And you were buying paper maps at that point. What what did you have on your boat uh, for mapping at that point?
0: had an avionics mapping
2: okay and so you had you had decent mapping but you still felt like it was important to buy a paper map
0: yeah you know i i was still in that mode where okay. It, okay. you know it wasn't fully electronic yet. you were using google earth you were using apps on your phone you were using your chips on the boat but i still had the marker buoys next to my console and yep. i still had a paper map so it was yep. like kind of right in that uh, evolution and now it's full like full I haven't touched a marker buoy in six seven <laughs> eight years and uh, right. haven't looked at a paper map since then either
2: see I don't think there could be a better age for a guy that's on tour now than what you are your age because of the fact that you had to learn how learn that way and then now you have all these all this technology at, at your fingertips it's pretty pretty cool
0: definitely um I do feel lucky for that I feel lucky to at least have have uh, experienced some of those 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 times where it wasn't so easy to just look and drive right up to fish, right? You had to do a little bit more searching, and it took a little longer, and it was a little bit slower, and um, and yeah, you know. Also, but also, I guess, young enough to um, understand as understand the technology as it's coming up a little bit quicker.
2: So, you what know? would you do now? I mean, like, if you're preparing for a tournament, will you will you sit at the console of your boat and look at the map?
0: Definitely, you know, I, you know, a, a lot of times if I've got my boat with me, I like to do that just because it's easy. But um, you know, there's there's different apps and stuff like that, computer programs. You know, Garmin's got a, a program called Active Captain where you can actually look at your maps. You can sync it to your boat through Wi-Fi, and you can be, um, you know, you know, uh, studying, marking, and stuff like that from inside your house but it's also i like to just get in the boat and do
2: it too, so you're marking sure. waypoints off that app on your personal computer or your ipad or yeah. whatever you're yep. looking at okay. yeah for sure um, Very cool but yeah you know
0: and i'm not uh the the most tech savvy guy but um yeah that's that's uh it's so pretty amazing well, what you can do now but right. let's 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 turn it back rob i love that you've got this this box full of uh paper maps man
2: uh
1: You use that for toilet paper in the woods now hunting, right?
2: Yeah. Look at this stuff. It's crazy, huh?
1: Would you buy a map for every lake that you went to?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I have, it's amazing what I have here. Um, And most of the stuff is Western stuff or, or local stuff, but I've got a, I've got a map right here that I pulled out. That's pretty special to me because I almost won, I almost won my first, um, Bassmaster opened due to this map. Um, So the lake, I have written on here that the lake is at 1,067. That's what, and what lake? It's Lake Shasta. Actually it says it's 39 feet down from full pool. Okay. So I went around on this map with a, a ink pen and I started marking all the points that were in roughly 80 foot of water. Okay. And I've got stuff written on here like Big Fish Point, I've got, <laughs> um, just crazy stuff. But I can look back at the map and and reminisce and remember what I caught and where I caught them. And that's crazy, and dude. Without the map, I mean, you don't you don't catch them. But the part that people don't understand now that have never dealt with this is when you have a cursor on your map of your boat now on the on the graph, you just drive to that spot, right? back in the day we used to have to go like landmarks well yeah and I I think I'm in this area now I got a graph and see if I'm in this area like and it's just not that easy it wasn't that easy and then you would have to if you did let's say you got a couple bites on the end of this one point now you're looking around and in your memory you're having to triangulate where you're (laughs) at to to reproduce that versus bending over and hitting a waypoint. That's so tough, dude. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it just, I think it made us, I mean, made us pretty good fishermen at that point, you know, made you really aware of your surroundings and where you needed to be. And, um, you know, you didn't have spot lock to stop when you got a bite either. You just, you're blowing off of these points and you're just trying to recreate. So imagine how many times uh, you were that close to it, but <laughs> you're you on the there. spot. Yeah, but sure. you're not there and you just, you miss it or, you know, so it, I don't know. It's kind of cool to look back at this stuff. I would take maps also, and I would, um, I would draw on the entire contour line around with a certain color, which you can do with the press of a button on these new units. Um, you know, for the depth out West, it's pretty important. I guess all over the country, these reservoirs will fluctuate and the depths are different at different times. So, um, so when you made that comment about anything that
1: was in like 80 feet of water, were you anticipating? Cause that would actually be 50 feet when you were there. And that was
2: like a fishing zone that you wanted to target or what? It was would the- be, it would be like 40 foot deep. Okay. Um, the outside edge of it. But I knew in between there, there was that zone. I think I was catching them in the, you know, somewhere around 30 foot. Uh-huh. So if, if I made that mark at that depth, it would be yeah. in that zone. So,
1: That's cool. Yeah. That's a whole
0: nother set. Just talking about how, you would have to find spots with your instincts like that and then also remember them, triangulate. That's a skill set that yeah that uh, that today's anglers don't really have and uh, dude, I could see myself getting so frustrated if you took that away from me. You know what I mean? And I had to go fish with all the knowledge but but just have to navigate the lake without GPS and yeah, fish like that GPS dude I'd be screwed like I think about going to the Delta without GPS
2: yeah, the Delta or You'd never see me again how about table rock <laughs> like, yeah it all looks like, the same it's everything so looks the same it's in I mean, we fished table rock before GPS and thank goodness I was fishing with my buddy Linton that that guy had a GPS in his head I mean he knew <laughs> nice. it, it was impressive what he could do uh, just off of memory wow. but um I, I remember carrying, I, I held the map as he drove up the lake, you know, and it's like, we got to turn here. We got to do this. We got to do that. <laughs> Nowadays. <laughs> I mean, crazy, it's, not even, it's not even a thought like you just know where you're at on the lake at all times now. And it's the Delta. was probably one of my biggest challenges due to wow. how flat, it, how flat it was. And we would, uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed, uh, but there's those big radio towers out there. Josh, have you ever seen those? Big I, I don't
0: even remember. But that's what you, didn't you have use to for look, landmarks. Because you don't have to look it.
2: up nowadays, right? Sure. But like, yeah, I would use those just for direction. And <laughs> y- y- you're less apt to venture. You know, you're less apt to get off in an area where you're not sure where you're at. Nowadays, you just go and you know you'll get your you'll get back. That's yeah. so crazy. And, and also, think about like... I'm sure early on you had to use regular maps to drive across the country and to find boat ramps. Dude, Uh, Nowadays, that's probably pretty simple, right? Yeah. I mean, dude,
0: I, I am the most directionally challenged person in the world and I never get lost. I never make a, make a wrong turn because it's just all there for you, you know, but yeah, if, if that was, If all my electronics fried, I would have trouble getting home. If I wasn't already on I 40 or I 10 or I 20, dude, I'd be in trouble. But yeah, (laughs) finding the ramps, like, well, so my first, my first elite series tournament, John Murray was so cool. I know I've told you guys this before, but he's like, Hey, just come with me for the first one and watch what I do. And, you know, you can learn some stuff from my routine. You don't have to always do it this way, but this is the way I do it. And, uh, the day before, um, practice started, he would always drive to every single boat ramp that he thought he might use in practice to do a dry run, make sure he knew how to get there, see how the ramp looked. And, and, uh, you know, now you just have, dude, I'll be sitting there at 10 o'clock at night, the night before I'm going to fish and I'll go on Google earth and be like, and look at it and say, okay, yeah, that boat ramp's great. It's a, uh, it's got a dock three lanes, nice parking lot. Looks like it's uh, you know, in a pretty public area should be pretty safe to use. And uh, you just in the blind go go try a ramp, and then you'll you might launch it multiple ramps even during the day in the blind because you've got, and you just drive right there. There's no there's no trying to figure it out. It's so easy.
2: Yeah, I would. I don't know if you still have this feeling when when you go to a new venue, a new lake, or whatever. But I would go to a, a new place. And the first couple of days, I would just be like, so afraid to make the wrong turn. I would do this. But at the end of the week, like, you know, your way around pretty well. I don't know if you still have that feeling nowadays with all the GPS's oh, and stuff. Sure. But back then it was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, I idled through this in practice, but I'm going to run full speed through it now because I feel comfortable. You totally.
0: Know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Sure. So you'd learn a lot in a week, but um, yeah. yeah, trying to do all that stuff without a GPS would have been so difficult so difficult. Um, what else do I have here? Okay. So dude, Hey, when do you think, when did you get your first GPS on your boat?
2: I remember I had, um, I know I fished the Delta with them. So it had to be, um, early two thousands, I'm thinking somewhere around there. And they were the little teeny ones. I don't even know what they were, but it was so basic, but so helpful. Did it have like a, like
0: an outline of the lake was it just an outline of the lake but no yeah, i don't
2: i don't remember contour. when did you get contour uh i don't even, i was probably late to the game with that like i am with everything but i remember having contour in probably
0: 2007 2008 now i could i could have been off too like just getting it late but i remember getting uh my first like map chips at that point um and that's when a lot of the lakes were first getting charted too, right? Like, you know, out in Arizona, I don't know how it was back east because I wasn't fishing back east yet, but that was when they first charted a lot of our lakes. So, um, man, what a big difference maker that was for sure. And and certain spots, like I can visualize like certain spots that were always kind of a mystery. Only a few select guys that were in the new know would know about them and the fish were unpressured and now all of a sudden they're not so hard to find and uh, and do these spots you can't hardly catch a bass off of them now just because they're so they're so pillaged you
2: know yep yep
1: the experience this it's funny that this topic was what <clears throat> entered into discussion for this episode because in Mexico that lake there's no there's no charting there's no nothing right and so some of that is intimidating just from the standpoint of driving your boat right like there's a cemetery that we fish and it's in the freaking middle of the basin and that dude just comes up right like you're running main basin and all of a sudden there's like a seagull standing <laughs> on a tombstone and you're like what the heck? Dude, that's you, crazy you yeah you be- hit one of those you're done the sad state of affairs right not to mention just like the fishing aspect and <clears> that <throat> guy that i fished with rafine Know a lot of that is just that like fluctuates a bunch. So when you live there, it's kind of like pleasant. You see it at you know, 80% pool, 40% pool, 60% pool. You start to get kind of a storage cache of like this spot looks good at this time. You know, it's interesting having to create that stuff. I've I've fished predominantly in my life with you know what we're talking about, the modern technology of like, oh okay, here's a drop-off, and this is in 25 feet of water, and here's a hump here and a point there. Trying to do that without even like a like an old school map like you have, Rob. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's so. Then when you do find that honey hole offshore, it's just not getting beat up, right? Like it's it's the opposite of how you said in the Western Lakes. Now, like there's no secrets. Like any decent looking edge or point gets fished. So a lot
0: of those Mexico lakes, the locals know it so well. The guides know it so well because they've seen it at all water levels. So they right. can you know, they just literally have these photographs in their memory of what it would look like. And and it's obviously can't be that precise, right? But like, they know, okay, you know, this is where the channel would run. There's a hump out here. (laughs) But uh, dude, it would be crazy for, uh, you know, your buddy that you go down there with to actually get, I don't know what electronics he's got. But you know, a couple of the companies, including Garmin, dude, you can draw your own map. And uh, to actually, for him to actually go put a couple days in, and make his own map how effective that would that be, a would game be changer. for him dude it's it's, it's funny,
2: funny you bring that up because that was my next comment josh like that would be a game changer for a guy to have it down there by himself and oh yeah and go, go into that a little bit of what what's available and how how you can go about it yeah
0: yeah so i know it's available mm-hmm. with a couple of the brands i don't know exactly how and what other than garmin so i won't speak on that but for garmin it's a it's an awesome feature it's called quick draw and um you know, like for me, in my case, I've got my regular mapping card in there, which is called Lakeview Ultra, and it's just a, it's a, it's a, a SD card with the maps downloaded into the, the deal. So what you can do in your unit, if you're on a body of water that doesn't have charting, whether it's like a really small lake that maybe um, no one fishes, maybe you're in that situation, you're in Mexico, maybe you're a lake that's at such a crazy water level the lake is actually above what the contours they have uh, drawn from when they charted it. You can flip that on and just start driving around. You drive in basically zigzags or circles and it's going to draw you a chart and the chart's very accurate. I mean, it's using the side view to draw the chart and it saves it onto your card. And then you've got that card saved. So like, even in our case, like Lake Mead, there are some places where none of the mapping Accurate. Are super accurate because the lake's so big You're like you just know that it's unlikely that that anyone actually took the time and idled the entire lake so i've got zones that i put the work in myself and i've got places like um up at roosevelt where this the um timber is so thick there's no way they could take one of those boats and drive through because the transducers these companies use the when they're doing uh-huh. their deal uh, you know i I'm, I'm, I am i i do not remember exactly, but like they are tens of thousands of dollars, the cost of this super transducer that they use <laughs> to be able to um, get this mapping data at such a high speed. So, uh, I've gone up and done that and got it saved. And, and you feel like you've got at least contour that, that other people don't have. So it's pretty cool. And it's, uh, um, you can do it yourself. Yeah. I know Navionics has, um, they've got like on their app, they've got like a community program where you can actually go do that and share it with the community. I don't know how many fishermen actually do that. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do it myself, you know? I'm a Scrooge on that, but uh,
2: big um, group pretty of, cool. Big group of sharers.
0: <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't know how many people do that. Go ahead, Nick.
1: Dude, is that feature for Garmin on like, I don't even know the price points on their graphs, but is there like entry level and then high end? Like, Is that available across the spectrum or is that the high end? I know for uh, sure. I mean, I'm
0: running the Echo Map Ultra 106 and 126. Now, I know you can do in the Echo Map Ultra 73 and 93 because I've got okay. buddies that have those. And, and the 73, I think, is a 699 unit, something like that. So and the 93 is a, a 999 unit. So, um, yeah, you definitely don't cool. have to spend thousands to have a unit capable of that. So, yeah, if, if your buddy down there threw uh, one of those 73s on his boat um, or whatever, he could do it pretty inexpensive for sure. Cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's cool to think, you know, what, what could come from that. And, you know, then thinking too, like the rivers at Roosevelt too, that's, that's cool. Technology is amazing, man. It makes our life easier.
0: Yeah. It's just, it makes you more efficient. And like, like one of the differences between the old school maps, it'd be, I haven't done it enough, but it'd be crazy to actually um just lay it side by side with the, with the actual charts that you're looking at now. And like, it would show you that the hump exists or it would show you that the ledge exists, but it might not show you that 20-yard indentation where, you know, for 20 yards, it, there's a, a indentation that cuts in 10 feet or something like that. Or, um, you know, a lot of times the contours on will, will actually tell you what type of, will actually uh, lead you to um, cover, right? Like rock, like a lot of times on Roosevelt, for instance, and you see this on lakes around the country, you have kind of smooth contour down a long flat or a long ridge but then there's one little section where the contour lines are really sharp and they're really sharp for a reason there's usually some type of rock formation or something like that so it might lead a guy to find a little rock pile or something or a little rock vein that he never knew existed and that could be the sweet spot of the entire half mile long ledge you know what i mean and yeah. um, that's hard to find if you don't have have that for sure it takes just it just takes tons of time
1: yeah and it's it's just fun offshore fishing is great because you just always know that like you can you can just find the mother load so i got some buddies that um
0: you know live in oklahoma right um and they were real pioneers of the offshore fishing around the tulsa area and stuff and they used to use a metal pole because <laughs> like uh you know they're not down at 40 feet but they're a lot of the offshore fishing you do there is eight ten twelve feet and they would idle with a metal pole in the water and wait to hit stuff, dude. They <laughs> wow. could feel it's brilliant, right? Yeah. And they would feel it when they hit rock. They would, they would be looking for house foundations and stuff. And they'd hit it and they'd triangulate, real, throw a buoy and <laughs> they'd try to triangulate. And um, yeah, they, were, they were pretty smart and ahead of their time, man. And they were catching monster bags, you know, fishing hundreds of yards off the bank when everyone was still throwing a spinnerbait at the bank, you know?
2: Yeah. Our our poles out here, would have to be 30 and 40 foot long. Yeah. It's like, you can't cost. do it here, dude. But if
0: you're an eight feet, it's a yeah, brilliant yeah. way to
2: do it. Yep. That's awesome.
1: I love it, man. The ingenuity. For sure. Sight.
0: Okay. So what else do we, I think that, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about some, some tips, uh, for, for the current cards, you know, just to make, and it's, it's obvious stuff, you know, like the biggest, the biggest and easiest two things to be doing are using your depth shading properly. Um, you know, depending on, your what lake you're fishing and how much contour there is you know you might have your depth depth zones in in 10 foot increments if you're fishing in florida they might be two or three foot increments but 10 is a pretty safe place to start and i always recommend using really light colors with your depth shading Um, the darker colors like like your dark blues and stuff like that browns it's harder to see your contour lines Um, if you use like a yellow a light green a light blue pink um, those colors are it's really easy to see um, what's going on especially on the fly and uh, it really helps highlight things that you might you know you might pass up otherwise you'll see those subtle um, you know humps and points and whatever that without the color just might not pop out at you so um Highly recommend that. And then it's also really helpful to be able to adjust your lake level. So, you know, a lot of these, these units, they come stock with, with the mapping and stuff, but I know like Garmin, for instance, they come with the, with the mapping, but you actually have to buy the card to be able to use the depth shading and also the lake level adjustment, which is a massive deal. You know, being able to adjust the lake level up or down, however far you want to do it. Um, the card unlocks that feature so I, I didn't even know that
1: existed I'm out yep. of touch so severely that is really cool yeah yeah you launch your
0: boat on a on a lake and it's down 40 feet dude it's almost impossible to figure out where the actual bank line would be at it's just it, on a it, you know efficiently you could yeah. figure it out if you stared there and try to try to figure it out but um to be able to just launch your boat and say okay negative 40 feet let's go <laughs> um it's it's sweet Damn. so buying that chip is is the way to do that for sure and i think that's about that's about it that's all i've got on on that stuff you guys have anything else to add on the map stuff
2: not really other than i'm just glad we got the new technology for the most part i mean like you said before it was kind of nice uh you had some of that stuff to yourself before but
1: rob i think of your glory days like before pleasant got the new dam and everything came up didn't you have some glorious offshore structure fishing days there
2: it was it was right after the new dam Oh, so okay. when, the, when the lake was new, um it had so much of that. It was so fertile with all the cover. And, I mean, you would literally – I mean, you'd get on some of those spots and and you'd break off 20 times <laughs> before you catch a fish. It was so thick yeah. and nasty pulling through mesquite trees and palo verdes and uh, saguaro cactus. I mean, it was, it was nuts. Wow. But, um yeah, I mean, that was just – you'd just run – one of my things I would do, I mean, we, obviously we didn't have mapping of it, so we would just uh, run a flasher and run close to the shore. It'd come up. uh, You'd see the flasher come up shallow. You'd turn around and you'd follow the point out to the end Uh and just mark it in your memory. And I mean, I was, I was, I threw buoys all the time. I mean, I would throw multiple buoys on one point just to get the, the way it laid, you know? And, um, I still throw buoys. I mean, I know I'm antiquated. And, <laughs> no, it's
0: okay though. I mean, hey, that's but, cool. Whatever's helping you catch fish, that's great.
2: Right. It just it makes makes us I love the buoy because I know exactly where the buoy is and when you do catch a fish, you know exactly where that fish came. It might not come right by the buoy, but you know how far away you are from the buoy. And obviously guys are doing that with waypoints and GPS and stuff like that, but I'm still whatever works works yeah yeah
0: so uh what other little tips and and uh techniques would you use to find like to to remember to get back to a spot I mean you you obviously would triangulate
2: yeah so you would use you would obviously use we'd always joke like okay you gotta line up that cow with that mountain (laughs) like the problem is the cow moved yeah that's hilarious dude that's funny but no you just line you would line line points up with other points off in the distance and then you would do it off to another direction and that would get you really, really close every time. And I mean, it just, obviously you didn't, your memory is only so deep. I mean, you wouldn't, it's not like you have just a bank of waypoints, right? Like you do nowadays. And so you would just have to remember, you know, those certain spots like that. So it just made it hard to move around. I mean, cause you, now you leave the waypoint and you can come back to it there <laughs>
1: you had a lot of time invested in interesting figuring that's another it, out.
2: Factor. it just yeah it just every everything nowadays makes it so much easier to fish offshore um so wow that's cool though dude yeah but it was funny because you would have a, in a lot of cases you would have guys that were um power pulled down on the juice. <laughs> I mean, they, they would be right on top of it just because they didn't know any better, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> right? Yep. And and I'm sure I was in that situation at times too where I was in the wrong spot. But when you got it right and, I mean, you just, it was limited to the few hardcore guys that would get out and spend all the time to catch them and, and locate them. And and it, it made it a lot better as far as, lack of fishing pressure on those fish so yeah you
0: had to 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 really understand offshore fishing before these electronics you had to have been just really good like it's really impressive like it's, it was just
2: time spent though just like it is now it was just spent in a different way right sure a less efficient you know, way right way less efficient but so much more gratifying when you did find it yeah uh-huh. probably more productive in the long run i mean just because it wasn't not everyone <laughs> it was didn't have it. its skull crushed
0: yeah right So I bought a, uh, uh, I was probably 12, 13 years old. I bought a CD of a a photo album of Lake Pleasant when it was at its low water level. Do you remember that thing, Rob? I'm sorry. Oh,
2: go ahead. (laughs) I'm, I'm so distracted. My wife just put our dog down, our Brittany. What? She's right now. Yeah. She's old. Like she was struggling, dude, but, um, Boyd's comment was rest in peace to the savage, take her down of snakes. <laughs> He's just making uh, jokes out of it. Oh my like, gosh. But that's true. She killed she was a killer, man. She she was a Brittany. Um, and she killed remember, snakes yeah. and lizards yeah. and everything. So oh, they're you know. such hunters. Oh, yeah. Dude, she was savage. You
1: you wrote so. recorded a podcast during that time. We're not worthy of that. Sorry, oh. buddy. No, yeah, it's like right. I should have said it's right. something.
2: It, she's in a better place now. She was pretty rough. What was your so.
1: Brittany's age? or name?
2: Uh, Penny. Penny. So well, that's the name a, of this
1: episode in honor of Miss Penny.
2: Yeah, she was there a. There you go, um, man. A rescue. My wife used to work with the the Brittany Rescue League, so she knows. Uh-huh she called it fostering them yeah well, we, we fostered that dog for i don't know how many yeah. years <laughs> but the sad part is is this one we've had for a long time and she was such a cool dog and just easy low maintenance but yeah um, a lot of them she would she would rescue they were kind of on the end you know so we've we've put down too many of them it's oh, unfortunate man. Yeah. But, that's cool uh, you guys to do that i had yeah, no idea yeah. that you were doing
0: that for like a long period like You've had her probably since I've known you, right? Yeah, like, no, long we we Penny?
2: adopted her, but I'm just saying in the beginning, my wife would say it was a foster deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so anyhow, we're down to two dogs now, which that's, that's perfect. So yes. yeah.
0: That's cool. Well, dude, yeah, we'll be thinking about you guys. So right I'm now. sorry. I'm sure
2: what was the question? I hurting. apologize. I just got completely sidetracked Mm-mm. by that. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, See, I don't even know sorry. if I remember. <laughs>
2: right. it, was, it was an old
1: CD. Of, oh, uh, yeah, of the damn Pleasant. old
0: CD, dude. You remember Jerry Tate, Rob? Yes. Yeah, he, so he went out on Lake Pleasant and took hundreds of photos when it was yes. at its lowest <laughs> level, put them on a CD and sold it. And I bought some CD. Yep. And I uh, printed them out, printed all the <laughs> photos out and put them in a binder. And that's yeah. how I was when I was fishing Lake Pleasant as a teenager. I was going out there and like I'd pull into a area and I'd like try to find <laughs> it in my my binder and be like okay, this is what it looks like. You know when it's low. Um, I love but it. We were very lucky to have that like because like most lakes don't fluctuate that much. Like, yeah. It was pretty interesting. Right.
2: Think about it today, like we would get on these lakes when the water was low and we'd be like man i forgot the camera i wish i had the camera
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now,
2: yeah now it's we take it for granted it's just in oh, our yeah. pocket like you take photos Dude. of everything yeah you know?
1: seriously yep yeah and you take like hero photos with portrait mode you can look like studio quality you can just like it's yeah. crazy it's yeah. absolutely crazy
2: yep
0: it's nuts how it's changed everything but uh yeah, sometimes the fish can still uh, drive you nuts, just like we were talking about. Sometimes you go three, four hours without catching a fish with all this. I feel like a complete <laughs> dumbass sometimes, you know, because I am I'm in this state-of-the-art bass boat. And um, yeah, you go out there and, and you, you don't catch it for your day. And like, what kind of clown am I, man? But um, that's yeah. how fishing is. That's why we love the sport so much. But uh, man, we've gone kind of long, guys. And, uh, you know, it was, it was cool to get to talk about all we did. I'm glad uh, you guys both had really good uh, you know weeks prior to this and uh, hopefully we have some good weeks again but um, again don't forget about the event that we've got coming up guys we'll talk about it a little bit more send your rsvps in and uh, anything else you guys have before we wrap this up
1: that's it yeah thanks for listening it was a long rambler episode so if anyone's still with us thank you
0: (laughs) appreciate it guys thanks we will talk to you next week